Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a special guest today, Matt Bechtel, and your story is pretty interesting. You've got a book. It's called How to Win Your Local Election. And you actually did this. I mean, you're not a politician. You're just, you, what, what do you do? You, you work in sales or some shit? Um, I did when I was on, when I was on city council. Uh, now I've got, uh, I've gone full time with a podcast that I've created with a stand-up comedian friend of mine. So um, no masters right now. Uh, but yeah, um, I was in sales. I actually worked for a Budweiser wholesaler while I was on city council. When got I out just in time, didn't you, bud? <laughs> I did, dude. I did. Yes, I did. Well, I like that shirt. Um, don't like the ATF. Also, yeah. thanks for rocking our merch. So you ran for um, you ran for city council in some. What, what's the name of the place? Fremont, Nebraska. Yep, Fremont, Nebraska. Okay, how did that? What made you decide to do that? Um, man, I thought about how I wanted to answer that because uh, the the true story will make your eyes roll. Um, so uh, to back up a second, when I I worked in a restaurant in high school. And my boss used to go down to the city council meetings and raise hell. And then he'd tell us, you know, you should come check it out. So mm. I went when I was 16. Wait, when you um, say raise I, hell, you mean like Alex Stein raising hell, like acting like a fool or just, you know, be normal, normally raising hell? Uh, somewhere in the middle. Okay. Not as funny as Alex Stein, unfortunately. <laughs> well, he is a professional. <laughs> but, so. uh, you know, when I was in high school and I kind of talk about it in the intro to the book is I wasn't a good student. My ambition in life was to be in a band. I wasn't a national honor society. No, nothing like that. I just went because I thought it was interesting. And while I was down there, I I was listening to the agendas and stuff. I thought, man, I don't know what any of this shit means, mm -hmm. but it's probably important. And I kind of kept going. I also had gotten in touch with a conservative group called Win It Back. They were just a local grassroots conservative group, and I got plugged into there so I could see the the power behind, um, you know, local politics. Uh, but again, at that time, you know, I pretty much just wanted to be a member of Motley Crue. That was like my life's ambition. Uh, now, when I turned 18, I ended up becoming a, a born-again Christian. And after that, I really wanted to live out, uh, you know, that lifestyle. I wanted to help people and do something about it. And I was looking for ways uh, to help uh, my community and the people around me, looking for ways to volunteer. I was on a volunteer fire department. Um, I was friends with a guy in there who was in the Marines. I was thinking about joining the Marines, so I'm an almost-served veteran. Um, but uh, <laughs> he, he um, you know, was talking to me about, uh, you know, Islam and stuff like that. And so it, it was a little bit interesting. I went down to the library. I was checking out a copy of the Quran because I thought, well, I want people who criticize Christianity to at least read the Bible. I'll do the same for, you know, Islam. While I was checking it out, this guy was coming in and and I knew him from, again, like grassroots stuff. We started talking. He's like, well, we're going into a meeting right now. So I followed him in there and they were talking about what was going on in the city. And I kind of had stood up and spoken what I thought. And after the meeting, people were coming up to me saying, hey, you should run. And it sounded insane. I was 19. Um, but it felt right. And their biggest complaints was that they wanted transparency from their local government. And um, I thought, well, I can do that, you mm -hmm. know? And the other thing that they complained about was they couldn't get a hold of their council people. And I thought, again, well, that seems pretty easy. So I ran against uh, one of the longest standing incumbents uh, on, the, on the council. And uh, everybody thought I would get smoked and look stupid, um, you know, but I, I lost by a little less than 50 votes. Uh, so next time I ran, I was taken a bit more seriously, and I got on when I was 22 years old. You were 22, you said? Yep. 
And how long ago was this? Uh, my term ended in, so that this was 2016. I got elected in 2016. My term ended in 2020. I decided not to run again. And um, the reason being is because I had a family. Be before I ran that second time, I wasn't even dating my wife. By the time I got off the council, I had two kids. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there was a lot of life that had happened in that meantime. And so I felt like, you know, like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to run again. And after talking to people, I realized that, you know, we have times in our life where we can help. This was a time in my life where I could. And I, and I got off when I thought I wasn't going to be as useful. Um, there's still... Um, you know, political connections there, right? I can call the mayor up at any time. I'm still in the ear of, of you know, elected officials. So there's still that influence there. Um, but at this point, I'm really more interested in being in the background at this point. And I, I want sane people to enter into their local elections. Uh, you say all the time, and it's true, we're not going to vote our way out of it. Mm. I think it's true to a point. I, I have a lot of hope in local politics. And I don't think you have to be a political mastermind uh, to be on a school board or to be on a county board or to be on a city council. I think at this point, you just have to not be insane. You know, the litmus test for me is, do you want to cut a kid's dick off? Do you want to have uh, babies have their brains sucked out of the womb? You know, that's 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 pretty simple. You don't have to be a political you know, mastermind for that. And so um, again, that's that's the point of this book. I really wrote it so you don't have to be brilliant, man. I wasn't brilliant. I'm still not. Uh, w when I ran, I just worked my ass off. I went door to door and I talked to people and uh, tried to figure out a way that I could help. Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I do say a lot that you're not going to vote your way out of the situation, but it's always bookended by the ideas that the only kind of politics that really matter are local, right? I mean, yeah. um, and, and from my perspective, <laughs> The roadmap to uh, resecure, I guess, the agency of the a of the average American citizen is to uh, do that to run for local politics, um, to to gain a strong foothold in local politics, and then start the process of nullification, which is to say, <clears throat> when you're a city council, you you tell the county we're. Our, our residents are no longer going to pay these stupid taxes because you can't, uh, as you mentioned, show transparency. And when people say transparency for uh, for politics, they almost always mean money. Like we gave you guys a bunch of money. Now you're trying to raise taxes and there's still potholes. Like what, where exactly was the breakdown? You know what I mean? We, we, yes. we needed a service. You said it cost this much. We gave you this much. And now the service is still incomplete. Stuff like that, right? So, yeah. and then, you know, what once you gain a strong foothold in those areas, <clears throat> you can start doing the same thing with the state. Like, hey, our, our area is not gonna participate in your bullshit, you know what I mean? And because this yeah. is the system of government that we're in, it's called federalism, and it's meant to be from the bottom up. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> it, it, it is, you, you definitely outline, and I wanna go through some of this stuff, you outline some of the difficulties. Um, in small towns, running for office and winning sometimes isn't the hardest thing to do. Staying there for some amount of time is. And, you know, it's, I like that now you're almost proselytizing after having served that, you know what I mean? Because what we don't want is to just have another group of people who stay in politics for the next 40 years, right? That's not the point. The point is to have, yeah, like, the point is to have short term, uh, uh, representation because one it it 
keeps power decentralized, but also it keeps the exercise of power very relevant to the needs of people right then. You know what I mean? Um, yes. So tell me about, let, let's go through some of this stuff. Tell me about um, what it was like on the campaign trail, especially going against an incumbent. Yeah, I absolutely will. Before I get that too, one thing I do want to touch on before I forget is local, like you said, these local elections are more winnable than, than people think. When I, I constantly am hearing people talking about, oh, the taxes are being raised in the county and this and that. And it's like, hey, these people doing this, they have names and they have addresses. You know, you can run against them. You can't talk to them, but you could also run against them, beat them and hold the line. You know, if you came in to the studio someday and, and you were talking to me and you said, hey, man, on my way in here, I just got my ass whooped by a bunch of dudes. And I start asking you questions and you say, yeah, man, these guys, they were four foot six and, um, you know, 100 pounds and they just whooped my ass. I'd be like, Dan. Dude, that sounds like a beatable opponent. Whoop that motherfucker's ass. Mm. It's the same thing with local politics. You know, some of these people, they're these bitch and they throw their hands up. It's like the the point of, you know, and I touched on the or my uh, log line here with your, your points was number four, that I'll be a leader. Mm. You know, when I was 19 years old. I recognized that this country was going down a path that was going to be really hard to turn away from. And it wasn't because I was a prophet. It was because I paid attention. So same thing here, you know, in these local elections, this is something that you can do. So what was it like for me at, at 19 years old running against, uh, you know, the longest standing incumbent, a really nice guy, a, a good guy. He, he was a retired police officer, very well known in the community. It wasn't easy, you know, it, it wasn't. But what I did was I had made some handouts and I just went door to door. And before I even had the handouts, I just printed off a newspaper article and I would just knock on people's doors. And the, the first time I ran, I just tried to hit every home I possibly could. And when they would answer the door, I would just say, my name's Matt Bechtel, I'm running for city council. I was wondering if you had anything that you'd like to talk about. And people would tell me, and it's it wasn't ever really crazy stuff. It was like, oh, the city said they were going to do, they were going to cut that tree down, and they never did. Or, you know, the city messed something up with this water pipe over here, and they never fixed sure. it. Or, you know, I can't get a hold of, of uh, you know, my council member. That's the kind of stuff that it was, right? So, um, so yeah, it, it was challenging. And the other part that made it challenging was I kind of liked the guy that I, I ran against. And afterwards, we became friends. And um, what's interesting is... So in, in Fremont, there's four wards and there's two council people in each ward. So if you don't win in, the one, in one election, you can essentially run a couple years later in the next. And his daughter actually messaged me on Facebook and asked me to run. Uh, she was one of the people who said, you know, we, we like you. Uh, so please run again, because I didn't run a smear campaign. It didn't seem necessary. Now, again, if, if you've got a, a school board member that's a communist, yeah, smear that dude. He needs to be called out for his shitty beliefs. Um, but for, for a lot of people, it's probably not going to be that uh, sensational, sure. you know. But at the end of the day, it was just a matter of going and talking to people face to face. And I, I can't respect any politician on any level. Uh, who doesn't go and do that, you know, going door to door or going going out and, and meeting people uh, face to face, because that, that's really where you learn. That's that's the journey. Yeah. I mean, it's <clears throat> we call it retail politics, right? I mean, you got to go press the flesh. Um, yeah. But at the local and this is like th this is why local politics are so much more powerful. I tell people it's just a math equation, right? So if you're um, if you're a voting American in a federal election for president, let's say for president, vice president, um, your will is being uh, reduced down to one 150 millionth of a vote, 
essentially, right? Yeah. Um, that, that's essentially our one, one, one out of 150 million votes. Um, and then the local, I don't know how many people voted in your local election, but it was quite a bit less than 150 million, I would imagine. Um, yeah, it was like 1,300 total yeah. probably. <clears throat> so, you know, this is the way representative republics are supposed to work. You know, and it, it is, it's essentially a democratized version of feudalism where you remove, you decentralize the power away from the individual politician. That was the whole point, right? To take the, yeah. the European common law system of representation where you would have a governor or a warden over a town like the fucking, uh, like, <laughs> I hate to use this example, but a lot of people recognize it like Robin Hood and the Sheriff of Nottingham, right? Like the, yeah. uh, 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 the, the people that live there uh robin of locksley the guy that he that not not the real guy but the the locksley family were essentially feudalist wardens of that area right so it's a town think of it like a town and there's one person the one wealthy aristocrat in charge of the town and their job is to make sure that everybody's problems are taken care of their job is to make sure the security is taken care of blah 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 they also collect taxes for the state and things like that um and now what we have <clears throat> in the United States and uh, the French were instrumental in developing this as well is the same general setup except for that person is just an employee of the city now that gets elected instead of being a warden or somebody that's actually has any power like the office has some degree of power but the person has no power that's the point of it right um, yeah. and now you can appeal directly to that person so if you're running for local election if you're planning on doing some stuff like this uh, you made a couple of really key points. One is is that retail politics. Get out there and talk to people, right? Let them know that their voices are being heard. That's the only thing that that, that matters as far as face-to-face -face stuff. Then on, yeah, you don't need to run a nasty campaign. Even if the person is a commie, um, you attack communism and not the individual. You don't want to go ad hoc, yes. right? Like it's, it, it, it's not useful for anybody to say, oh, my opponent is a communist. And then people are left to their own devices to understand what communism is and exactly how this person is doing it. You just exactly. go down a list of the things that have been done previously. You don't even have to use their name. As a matter of fact, sometimes I don't think it's helpful to use their name. Even when you say, oh, well, my opponent did X, Y, and Z, what you would say is something like, in previous administrations, we've seen this, this, and this, and just lay out the facts, right? And people, yep. will, pe people are decent at making good decisions when you stay steer away from at the local level not at the federal level because it's all brainwashed yeah. right but yeah that those are two things that are absolutely critical to local politics and it also brings some level of dignity back to the whole process too instead of just being a fucking clown show all the time yeah yeah absolutely um you know in, in my estimation this country right now is is being destroyed by three groups of people uh communists uh, the stupid and the greedy, you know, the communists use the stupid people and then the greedy will, you know, do whatever works out in their best interests. As you guys talk about a lot with BlackRock and things like that, that's, you know, that's greed. And then you, you have, uh, you know, people with a political ideology such as communism. Mm. And, um, you know, these people have been working in this country for a hundred years. I mean, and longer than that, really. Um, but they've been they've been at the local level. They've captured the school boards. They've captured these because they understand the power of them. Uh, meanwhile, you know, your, your typical American, maybe conservative Republican just wants Donald Trump to win because they think that that's going to save everything. And it's not, um, you know, th that will not save anything. But um, 
you know, again, at the local level, we're talking about something that you can win. Now, keep in mind, too, you know, if you I've had a, a council member of Omaha, Nebraska, told me that it costs about twenty thousand dollars to run for city council in Omaha. Um, you know, with that being said, the mayor, uh, Jean Stothert, she went to over 20,000 doors. She was going into North Omaha, um, which is the dangerous part of, of uh, Nebraska. Uh, she was going there and uh, going door to door and campaigning and talking to people on their doorstep. So, you know, Austin, Texas, for instance, that may be a tough one to win for sure. But Dripping Springs might be a more attainable you know, position for somebody. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, Omaha is quite a bit bigger than Fremont, so I doubt you spent 20 k on your fucking elect. I hope you didn't anyways. No, um, I'll tell you how much I... So the first time I, I've spent probably about $600, um, uh, 100 on hands on uh, handouts, mm. and then about 500 signs, which ended up being essentially donated to me uh, by the local conservative group. So the second time I ran, I, I won by, I believe, less than 100 It was either $90, somewhere between 90 to $110. And that was just because I got a good deal on my handouts. Um, the more time that the more time you spend, the way that I look at it is the more time you spend, the less money you have to. Um, so if you can get those handouts at a good price and just spend the time, you know, going door to door. I mean, my life was I would get off of work. Um, I worked at a place that made T-shirts at the time, making like $12 an hour. I would get off work at 5. I'd go home, change, uh, put on some decent clothes, and then I would just start hitting the neighborhoods. On Saturdays, I would mm. go out and hit the neighborhoods. And then I, I wouldn't even campaign on Sunday. Um, try to give it a Sabbath, give it a day of rest, go to church that day, and uh, let the campaign rest, right? Uh, so, so yeah. <clears throat> now, let me, uh, let's get into some uh, post- election stuff so you've been elected now um what are some things what what are some assumptions you had about serving in the office that turned out to be not true i guess is a polite way to put that yeah man um well i'll tell you this when i before i got elected i had this belief that there was a small group of people uh running the world and that everything was conspiracy theory while i was elected i realized that people are too stupid unelected i am back to believing that a small group of people are running the world through the uh world economic forum i didn't know what to expect man people try people try to make fremont sound like it was ran by the mafia mm. uh so i was kind of nervous i mean i i was a you know i thought like people might threaten me people might do this or do that um i didn't really have that i, I will say my first month in office was pretty wild uh, Fremont's made national news a couple times, one for an, uh, an illegal immigration ordinance uh, over 10 years ago, the other being um, uh, a chicken plant that was coming into town that people were protesting for a variety of different reasons. So that had been approved before I got on. Um, once I was on, we still had to, to vote on some stuff, just kind of finalizing it like roads and ordinances and crap like that. And there was, I think my one of my first meetings, somebody said we should all get shot and get shot on our way to our cars and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that was that was intimidating, obviously. I also had somebody who was um, legitimately schizophrenic who reached out to me trying to say that people from the city were trying to kill her and um, that she had uh, contact with the FBI and that all this crazy shit was going down. Mm -hmm. I ended up calling up the FBI and was literally like, I don't I don't know if this girl's crazy or not, but I guess if there's something going on, let me know. Right. I, I didn't know what to expect, man. I, I really did it. So I was uh, kind of, uh, you know, nervous, nervous about some of that stupid crap. Uh, but once being in, 
I realized one thing was that the city, the government was bad at PR, that they could actually do something that they meant to help people and it would look bad. Um, I, I realized that. And one of the things that I take away is uh, on Facebook community groups, I think at this point every community has them, people will post and say like, did you see this on the agenda or this councilman said or did this and they'll go crazy. Really what I've learned um, is just, just reach out and ask them, hey, what's, so what's going on? Can you tell me the full story on this? Because I would have people show up all the time and try to tell me, you know, this is how it's going to be. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know any of the stuff that we've talked about. There, there are certain things that also the public can't know in the sense that um, if we're talking about a city employee, a city employee is not an elected official. So if some guy grabs a, you know, a secretary's ass who works for mm. the city and we have to fire him. That's not, we're not going to post that publicly, right? Uh, so we, we had some some goofy stuff like that. So one of the biggest things I learned was how to communicate. Because I'll talk to people who are, I'm going to go show up to the council meeting and I'm going to yell and threaten them or do this and that. And that's just not the most effective way to do it. You know, have the conversation first. Um, you know, talk to somebody one-on-one -on -one when there's not an audience and uh, just see if you can figure out you know where that truth is somewhere in the middle um, so I learned a lot about how to communicate uh, with elected officials because uh, they, they are people too now again there, there can be greedy people on the local level that's absolutely true that that can happen and I'm sure it's in every community but you're also having people at this local level who genuinely give a shit about the community, who genuinely want to help the people that they grew up with, you know, they're, they're business owners, they're this and they're that. So, uh, you know, trying to, trying to uh, give people the benefit of the doubt and uh, just trying to, to find the facts is probably the biggest thing that I, I learned that I can use forward as a citizen. I wonder, um, well, so to your point about the nuance of conversations that aren't necessarily uh, uh, that the public isn't privy to or um, conversations that are public but that individual wasn't privy to because they just didn't see it or whatever um, and and yep. calling or whatever to get some kind of clarity or uh, you know at the city level there are public meetings on a pretty regular basis and you can sign up to speak there as we've seen with our friend Alex Stein you can take it seriously or not yes. um, uh, he he he's he tends to just go wild and do crazy shit which I enjoy but um, you can also just show up and I would have liked ask that. questions right oh yeah it's so funny um, <clears throat> but <laughs> it only works if uh, to your point from before it only works if the council member answers the fucking phone right I mean it it Oh, right. This whole system of representative republic doesn't work if the representative doesn't have a front-facing conversation with the public on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah. I wonder, like, so what, what were some of the – because it's – you know, when, when 1,300 voters, um, you know, that's still – even for one person, a 1 to one, a 1,300 ratio is still quite a bit. Like, if everybody called, that's that's a lot of phone calls. You could do one – 20 let's say 20 minute phone call uh, uh for each one of those people that's gonna that's gonna take up 100 percent of your time and, and city council in a small town is not a full-time job by the way it's a part-time job for most people right some sometimes in a and depending on how big the city is it becomes a full-time job but definitely not in fremont nebraska so uh what what are some of the challenges you ran into doing that stuff this episode of citizen is brought to you by black rifle coffee company join the black rifle coffee club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran-operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, 
rounds, and delivery schedule anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. The best value you're going to get from Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee club. As again, you can choose the roast, whether you're like light, dark, or medium. You can choose the texture. You can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee, whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean, or if you use a Keurig and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wide uh, array of options for that. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. So go to blackriflecoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, use the code CITIZEN and get 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one toolkit. This summer, HelloFresh is here to take the work out of eating well. I talk about this all the time. Uh, If you're not like me and just eat primarily meat, you want to actually feed your family like a normal human being, um, HelloFresh is a great way to do it. It, it, All the ingredients, as is in the name, are fresh, uh, proportioned out. You know, you can, they're also pretty flexible on how you can order things and things like that. Um, uh, You can reach your goals with delicious, calorie smart, protein rich foods and dinner options. Um, If you're stuck in a recipe rut, I know a lot of people get into this. One of the biggest problems people have with eating healthy is they get stuck in a rut, they get tired of eating the same thing over and over. Well, take a bite out of something new with 40 recipes per week that you can choose from with options to please even the pickiest eaters. If you've got some in in your family, your children or something, you always find meals for everyone at the table to enjoy. Um, Ross has used this for years. I've used it in the past. Uh, It's really, really good. Uh, The food's really good. The recipes are great. They're super simple. Um, You know, it's going to save you time from the grocery store. It's going to save you money because, uh, believe it or not, it's uh, relatively inexpensive. And it's going to make sure you're eating right. One of the biggest barriers to this stuff, I'm telling you, is having junk food in your house, not having other better options, or getting bored with the, the food that you're eating. And this is going to solve all those problems, HelloFresh. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Citizen16. That's Citizen16. And use the code Citizen16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's uh, HelloFresh.com slash Citizen16. And use the code Citizen16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. And uh, uh, let me know how you like them. Hit us up in the comments on social media and stuff and let us know how you like it. Um, you mean just like in the, the balance of, of uh, you know, trying to get a hold of, well, I'll, I'll say this, you know, the one thing is, is you, we do want to hear from people, you know, like I, I would go into a, a meeting thinking I know the facts and then someone would show up and present their case and I, it'd be like, man, I wish you would have, you know, let me know that ahead of time. Mm. You know, the other thing too, to keep in mind, so, so I'm not contradicting myself is that if, if your council member in your area doesn't answer the phone, find another member who will. You know, there there was cross between all of us all the time where I might talk to somebody in someone else's ward and then hand them off to, you know, to his member and, and vice versa. Uh, but but yeah, trying to trying to get ahead of it, you know, uh, ahead of time, reaching out and, and getting clarity. 
as far as the balance of that goes, um, you know, it, when, when I was 19 and I ran, I would take every single meeting face to face. I would take every single phone call, no matter the day or the hour. Um, you know, as I began to have a family, what I tried to start doing was screen my phone calls. So people would say, can we meet? And I would say, well, can we talk on the phone first? And what I noticed was a lot of those meetings would be, we, we would have it figured out in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, Dan, that would have taken an hour or two away from, you know, away from my kids had I taken that. So, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely a balance there, but again, um, this is like, we got paid a few hundred dollars a month. Right. But, uh, the amount of work that you put in, it's, it is kind of volunteering. And so you are doing, you know, a duty to your community. So that's part of what you're signing up for. You're signing up for the phone calls and you're, you're signing up for all of that. That's, that's part of the job, you know, but again, it's worth it. I was thinking about this. I was, I was listening to, uh, some some older citizen podcast mm-hmm. yesterday while I was mowing, and um, I just had this thought, and I don't know what what sparked it. I don't think it was anything anybody specifically said, but um, you know, people like veterans, let's say, you know, they'll say that they'll they'll die for their country or or they'll kill for their country, and and that's good. But at this point, you know, my question is, you know, will you live for it? Will you be embarrassed for your country? Will you tell the truth for your country? Will you be ridiculed for it? You know, because that's that's what's important. I I've, I'm trying to do things to make this future better for my kids, so that so they're not living in a complete sh- uh, shit show uh, shell of what America was or could have been, right? Um, but what I don't, what I wouldn't want anybody to have to say is like, well, you know, if if you're quiet now, and you don't want to take the phone calls and you don't want to step up and you don't you don't want to do this, um, it may be easier for you now, um, but it's for your kids. You know, and you have to decide mm-hmm. if that's something that you're that you're willing to live with. And uh, I'm not. You know, I forget how that quote went. With I think it was one of the founding fathers where they just said, "If there's going to be time of turmoil, let it be in my time." You know, and, it, and it's the same thing. It was with, John Adams that said that, I believe. Um, yeah, that's a good point, right? You don't want to certainly you don't want to pass. I mean, it, it used to be that people gave a great deal of care to their legacy, and your legacy is essentially code for. Um, two things one how people are going to see what i did on this earth and then two what kind of life i'm leaving for my children um and that was the thing i mean especially in the in the u.s people would come here and grind themselves into pace just trying to make sure their kids didn't starve to death or make sure their kids had a better life than they did um and then we plateaued at some point i don't know that um I don't know how people think about that now, right? Because it's a it's a much more complicated situation than it used to be. Uh, obviously, people who were in uh, who were lower middle class or lower class during the first part of the 20th century started thinking about entrepreneurship, like giving their kids the ability to start businesses. Or uh, later into the uh, the 40s, 1940s, it became about going to college, right? That was a big thing for people, and a lot of first yeah. time uh, a lot of people w- were the first people and their families to go to college between 1940 and 1980 or so um and then it was grad school doctors lawyers things like that and but now i think we've plateaued a little bit and i don't know what like a successful person like so for for my part um when i eventually have kids i don't know how i'm going to make their life better than mine was because my life has been pretty dope you know what i mean like i've i've achieved pretty much everything i've wanted to achieve in life already um so i'm not sure how to even think about that and i i I assume that that's it, it seems like to me and you can you can speak on this since you are a parent um 
uh, it seems to me like we're trying to insulate ourselves from external pressure and, and have our system that we that was working pretty well for a long time get completely fucked up, right? But that's, yeah. a di- that's different than wanting a quote-unquote better life for your children than you had. That's not really what that is. Like you're just trying to sustain at this point maybe because I don't know what a better life would even mean at this point. Yeah, um, you know, I would say kind of kind of going with what you're saying there is it seems to me that a lot of people think a good life is they have their little cubicle job that they get, and some days when they're lucky they get to go home before 5 o'clock, and then they get to spend the weekends golfing and drinking Bud Light, talking about sports, uh, which is all cool. Um, and then, you know, they'll sit there and tell their buddies how, how tough they are and what they would do and if and when. And, um, you know, that's that's not what I'm about, <laughs> you know, at, at all. I think that I, I really look at those people. It's extreme to say it, but I look at those people as the reason why America's failing because people got comfortable. Um, it, there's that study. And, and again, it's kind of human nature. There's that study, I forget what it's called, I believe in the 70s, where they had all those rats and they put them all together and they, they let the civilization of rats kind of grow out and they, they took care of all their needs to see what happens. Do you know what study I'm talking about? Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with the details, but I've heard of it. Yeah, so I mean, eventually it got to the point where there was males who weren't even interested in sex. They would just make sure they would uh, like just keep themselves clean and and make sure that their needs were met and stay by themselves. And that's essentially the same thing that we're seeing here in this country. I mean, you got young males who don't even want to have sex, right? They're just mm-hmm. looking at porn and watching Marvel movies. Um, the, the this is that's kind of the category of stupid. I mean, those are the what. You talk about it a lot, and I think it's true. I think we are approaching a time where, um, you know, shit will hit the fan in a sense. And there's this group of people that'll say, you know, wake me up when the shooting starts. You know, I got 10,000 rounds of ammo. Well, I don't think, I don't think shit hitting the fan is going to look like the book of Eli. Mm-hmm. I think what shit hitting the fan is is going to be a bunch of pussies standing outside watching their neighbor get shot in the back of the head by a member of a three-letter agency and then going inside and saying oh that was crazy yeah we better not better not make them mad again sure you know because it seems like every c- civilization that collapses um it's I, I don't see america saying you know one side versus the other side let's fight it's it's going to be uh people keeping their their mouth shut and that's already yeah. happening well people i mean look, you, you can tell based on how the government's been behaving the last uh, let's say seven years um yeah. There's a there's this psychological or sociological process that happens um, leading up to major wars like that, and it's called sorting, right? So it's where um, people first ideologically and then geographically sort themselves into groups um, that that you know behave, think and behave the way they do. The <clears throat> the uh, sociological sorting began. Um, as soon as Trump started running for office and it may have began, it may have begun also, uh, during the Obama administration, cause it was pretty divisive then as well, but it definitely yeah. kicked into high gear during Trump. And now, uh, sometime in the mid part of COVID, I would say early 2021, that's when the geographical sorting began. Um, but even then, even with all that that's happened, we still have like <laughs> in, in the, the states that people associate with, um, liberty the most i guess like protecting people from some of this nonsense commie bullshit that's been going around texas and florida yep. it's not like that's 90 percent republican or something in these states it's still 55 45 and, and it's it's still relatively yeah. there's still quite a bit of people who yeah. who disagree with you so 
when yeah when somebody says they're just sitting around waiting for the shooting to start like in a potential civil war the fight is between who and whom and over what exactly because yes civil wars typically have they're like there's a defined goal you're trying to do something very specific in that exactly. situation and there's nothing specific about any of this i mean it's it's kind of um uh, kind of all over the place, but the government, for their part, I agree with you. I think it is something much more akin to uh, the Russian FSB or or Gestapo, where you know th- there's going to be, and we saw it during COVID, right? Like they're trying to they're trying to w- like weed out anybody from government service that has a dissenting opinion or that has the temerity to fucking push back when something's going wrong. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, I think it's much more likely to be that. And the people who continue to to work with or for the federal government are going to be seen as collaborators at some point. So it seems much more likely that that's the fight. You're going to have a bunch of people who are too scared to do anything because they're worried about losing their bank account and their mortgage um, or having somebody show up and harass them or the IRS audit them or whatever else. Uh, That seems way more likely to me than than neighbor against neighbor, frankly. I just don't see it. That's yeah. That, that's one hundred percent how I feel. I mean, I was even uh, for, for uh, this this newer podcast I had started. Uh, we had uh, we had David Gunn on from the band King Eight One Zero. I don't know if you're familiar with that band or not. They toured with Lamb of God, so I think so maybe. Uh, but we, we had an episode where we talked about the fall of ancient Rome, and one of the things we talked about was uh, Rome was to crush an empire. It, it's not just one person. The empire is bigger than that. The empire is bigger than Julius Caesar, right? So Julius Caesar gets killed. The empire of Rome doesn't fall right away. Now, you could say that that may have led directly to the fall of Rome, but it still was, I believe, hundreds of years. Same thing here in America. Um, I don't think that we're that America is going to you know, collapse in the next few years. I think America is probably going to be around for a few hundred years. And and uh, same, it's kind of the same thing with the world. What, what makes me the most frustrated with Christians right now is that the church has given up a lot of ground. You know, the churches used to own the hospitals. They used to be the ones who, who fed the needy. And there's still some of that that goes on. But uh, the church has taken on this, what I find to be a very poisonous uh, theology of the rapture, where they think that at any moment they're going to be saved. And uh, just like that, you know, all of our problems are going to be solved. And I don't think that that's how things are going to go down. I think that maybe people should think what would happen if this if this world lasts another thousand years, how would that change how you operate today and the legacy, you know, uh, that that you leave behind. Um, but uh, I forget what the what, what your question was on that. I don't remember either. So I guess it wasn't that important. <laughs> well, we could go either way. At this well, point, I mean, but... there wasn't really a question. It was kind of just open ended. Like, I don't see. Yeah. Okay, the yes. fight being between, you know, two groups yeah. of American citizens. I don't think anybody. Um, like if you're out there fantasizing about killing your fellow Americans, then you're a piece of shit, in my opinion. Like this isn't something that you and and frankly, I believe it's only people who haven't been to war that would even pine for something like that. Because I I've, yeah. I've been in a civil war type situation before in uh, uh, in the Sadr City area where it's you know any of the Sunni Muslim in the in the neighborhood who were left over from Saddam's reign. It was just sectarian violence all the time. If you, if that's what you want out of life, then fuck you, man. I don't want to deal, deal with that bullshit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, like I hear that stuff all the time about people. Like I said, the just the the mindset of wake me up when the shooting starts. It's mm. it's just as the same as thing. You know, they think that they're going to remake themselves as some, 
you know, warlord hero or whatever. And again, we may, it may get to the point in America, you know, next year we may have what France is going through. We may have this violence in the streets. There may, there may be a lot of people that do get killed, uh, you know, in America, but I don't want that. That's why I'm trying to do this stuff. That's why I want to talk about a local election. That's why I want people to be involved in it because Look, I haven't been to war either. Like I said, you know, I was an almost served veteran. But here's the thing. I, I read war books and it doesn't take much to have empathy to understand what you guys saw overseas. You know, I, I read books on like like House to House about Fallujah mm. and stuff like that. I don't want that to go on in America. You know, I, I genuinely care uh, about my community. There was a guy who I met. Uh, he did a he did a talk at the um at one of the conservative uh, groups that I was at, his name was, uh, I believe his name is Bill Harzell. And my understanding is it was either his mom or his grandma was raped and murdered by an illegal immigrant. And so he would kind of go around and, and he was talking about, you know, the dangers of illegal immigration and, and stuff like that, because again, he was directly impacted it. So he tried to use his pain in that uh, to, to raise awareness of, Hey, we, we should do something about the border type of a deal. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing that he said that, that, that stayed with me was he said guys you don't want this to get fixed overnight because if it does there's going to be blood flowing in the streets he's like we don't want that that's not what we want we want to work within the systems that we have there uh the radio host jesse kelly i like listening to him he says all the time man there's a million small battles for us to win very winnable very winnable battles uh, that we can win to to change this country. Um, that's what I want to see because I I, I want to learn from uh, countries like the the Roman Empire, and I want to make sure that the American idea lasts forever. It, it, it's stronger, it gets bigger, and that ultimately it's something that uh, you know. Well, I I shouldn't really say this, but I'm going to say it. I would like it would be great if there were more countries like America in the world. However, the CIA has been trying to do that for so long that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. Well, no, the CIA's been, they haven't been trying to make countries like America. They've been trying to, uh, they, they, the CIA's been doing to foreign countries the same thing that the American left has done to minority communities, which is to say keep them on the tit and extract wealth and, and voting resources yeah. from them. That's essentially what they've done. They, but, yeah. but not offer anything in return for it, right? They just basically strip the copper out of their house and go on about their business. This episode of Citizens is also brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drinky bros. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinky bros. If you get the 40% uh, off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, zero percent financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months. That's five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for slash drinker bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best. The mattress protector, the weighted blanket, they have everything you need there. 30% off everything. Use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. This episode is also brought to you by FirstForm. FirstForm.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. The product they really want you using is the Micro Factor. It's a complete daily nutrient pack. Now what's in it? Antioxidants, CoQ10, great for heart health, multivitamins, 
uh, greens and reds, which is to say fruits and veggies, then EFA, which is to say fats that you need. And then they got a probiotic in there as well. It's an easy little packet. You just dump it all in your fucking mouth and swallow, uh, probably with some liquid, preferably water. Um, they got all kinds of other great products as well. Uh, talking about those meat sticks, the breakfast sausage meat stick is the best thing I've ever had in my life. And of course, they have energy drinks. They've got all kinds of stuff over there. They got great protein. The best supplements on the market. If you spend over 75 bucks, you're going to get free shipping. So go to firstform.com forward slash drinking bros and get those deals. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the America as the, the symbol of hope around the world. You know, I, I don't know if uh, we're probably not the symbol of hope anymore, you know, to a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, but I think that uh, the again, the American system is strong enough that we can win this back. And that's where I believe that the power lies again at the local level. And, you know, if you feel convicted on this and but you live in a big city or you live in an area where, you know, you, you don't have the money to run for the L.A. City Council, then maybe you maybe you go somewhere else. Maybe you, maybe you do move to a smaller area around there and try to try to help, try to work. I mean, but even in a big city, though, you can still make a huge impact. It's being elected an official gave me access to to actually bigger politicians. You know, I, I met governors and I met I met senators and congresspeople and stuff like that. And um, when you're in the room, now you're in the room, you know, now you're invited. Now you, you've walked the walk, you, you're in, um, you're actually doing work. That means that you can be in meetings where you now have a voice. You know, if you hear uh, a lot of these uh, dork Republicans, you know, you hear their shitty ideas, you know, and, and again, the, the Republicans really are, I, I can't stress it enough, I've really turned into a bunch of pussies. I've talked to, I talked to one kid who was um, like the, he, he was the, I don't even know what you'd call it, um, not kind of like the campaign manager for a congressperson mm -hmm. out of Nebraska. And I was like, dude, so you guys, when you, when you got, are you guys going to, what are you going to do? Are you going to go after the Democrats like they do us? I mean, what, do you, what are you going to do? And, well, no, the, the Democrats are pretty Machiavellian, and that's not really kind of our style. And so, you know, we, we just watch the Republicans act like a bunch of cucks getting kicked in the nuts. And I guess that's my party. I mean, you know, that doesn't represent me, but okay. Um, but but being even on a small level or just volunteering, man, if you if you show if you live in a big city and you know you, you're not going to have the money to run, you can still go door to door for for the campaign whose values are maybe closest to yours or the the the, the politician who's, who's less crazy. Uh, you can go show up there and you can go door to door and you can put in some work. And then again, you've bought in some influence there while you're in those meetings. You can talk to the campaign managers directly or the candidates directly and you can say, hey, this is really what I'm concerned about. This is what I'm hearing. You know, this is what the people are talking about. Can you do something here? Uh, that that influence is uh, is very valuable. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, at any level, but particularly at the local level, <clears throat> politics is is in the same way as business uh, is about the relationships you develop over time, right? Like just the yeah. ability to pick up the phone and call somebody and get something done can be a big needle mover. Um, yes. If you, it, it's easy to to discuss um, the relationships you you make once in office, but if you had it to do over again. What kind of relationships would you have looked to start before you ran for office? You know what I mean? Like, what, what do you think, in hindsight, may have been important? Well, that's probably one of the toughest things to talk about because I'm, I made mistakes. When I first got in, I would say for the first two years, I was duped. That 
would be my other the thing that I would kind of uh, recommend to people is you really have to know the rules and the regulations of the office you're running for because you will get gorilla pimped by people who do and they will pull the wool over your eyes and tell you you know hey do this or do that I would say my first couple years in office um, I trusted the the wrong people and I took it I took bad advice I took advice from people who didn't have my best interests in mind um, and then I, I began to see that people were more complicated. It wasn't just black and white. Uh, some of the people that I didn't think I could trust going in, I, I realized again, like, oh, he's just bad at explaining himself. He actually has a good intention. He just doesn't know how to communicate with people. Um, so, so that was the tough thing. I mean, I went in there and I would joke with my with people that, you know, my motto was like, no new friends. And what I meant by that was, you know, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to be untouched. I'm not playing these po political games. I'm not going to be swayed by, you know, this or that. I'm, I'm going to be my own man on an island. And uh, there's not a whole lot of power that comes with that. The weirdest thing was, though, was like people listen to me a lot just because I think I was young. And I don't know wh what that is. I don't know why people think that young people are have all of this uh, you know, unlocked wisdom because it's not true. Like, you know, uh, but um, so people would still listen to me, but um, I, I think knowing what I know now, there are very specific individuals who I would have said, I'm not going to trust this person. I'm going to keep them at arm's length. But that's just the kind of thing that you have to learn, you know, through experience, right? Um, now, the other lesson was, again, when I was 19 and I ran, I was really... Uh, just for the people. I was just going to talk to the people and that was going to be it. Um, the second time around, I had a friend of mine who really had to convince me. He's like, no, you need to go talk to the mayor. You need to go hold these meetings with these people in the community. Even though you think they're douchey or whatever, you need to talk to these people one-on-one -on -one because they have influence. Because people will go up to the mayor and say, what do you think about this kid? Mm -hmm. And he may not say that he liked me, but if he at least would say I'm not crazy, I considered that a win. And so the the what I learned my second campaign was to hold those meetings with the people of influence. And, and you can do this, by the way, and not you don't have to suddenly be corrupt just because you're talking to a business owner or a mayor. You know, you're, you're not necessarily doing anything bad by that. You're just trying to figure out where is he where is he coming from? Where are you coming from? That kind of a thing. It's, it's like that the the saying you know that um money is the root of all evil mm. i i think that money just reveals people's hearts it's the same thing with power people will act like complete shitbags because they got elected in a town like mine of you know twenty seven thousand people they think that they're that they're a king all of a sudden right so i think it just really reveals in your heart but i would say i i would be th that was good advice to just be open and and talk to people of influence in the community even if you don't really like them just take the meetings and you may be pleasantly surprised. You may say, actually, this guy's not as bad as, you know, I assumed. That that was definitely one big lesson. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't just ignore people once you get into office. Like, I mean, that you're, yeah. the, the job is to represent the community, right? Not just one particular group. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'll say this for, just for clarity yeah, for, for my sake. When I said I was going to be an island, I didn't mean away from the people. I just meant from, you know, the other elected officials. I, I was afraid of being, you know, swayed or whatever. I really thought it would be cool to be your own independent person who just uh, talked to the people. And that is a good goal. That is something that you can do. But again, you're on a, You're basically on a, a board of of a bit of a half billion dollar business right you're on a board with other people you do have to work with these people so you do have to get to know them a little bit and you have to figure out how to communicate with them yeah for sure i mean how how, how else are you going to get anything done and i think yeah. you you know there is uh certainly i'm uh 
not a fan of politicians. Um, I don't know if any of you guys caught that at any point, but um, <laughs> learning this for the first time. Yeah, yeah. But th- you do have to if you're going to take the job. Um, you are going to have to work with people. You know what I mean? And I don't think it's it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to only listen to one part of the conversation either. I mean, certainly people who are just voters and just members of the community that don't do something else, they just have ordinary nine to five jobs or whatever. Um, you know, you want to you want to listen to what they have to say because it's a pretty good bellwether for, for how things are going in the community of people. If, if the things people are bitching about are relatively low level, you know what I mean? Like the street being fucked up or, yeah. or I didn't hear the announcement for the city council meeting and stuff like that, then you yes. know things are going pretty well, right? And you know, yeah, you, you, can, you can dial those things in and certainly you wanna be able to fix them. Um, so yeah, you definitely wanna listen uh, to that group of people because they're the ones think of them at the um they're the ones on the other side of the of the filter you know what i mean they're they're catching yeah. the full force of whatever bullshit's going on but you also want to listen to people who are decision makers right like people that yes. run big business own and run big businesses um uh i i personally would not liaise with any kind of special interest group at all um because fuck them all they do is <laughs> they're like uh, the worst people on earth, uh, aside yeah. from po- the politicians themselves. But business owners, certainly, right? Um, yeah. You, you kind of have to. Like the Chamber of Commerce and stuff like that, you need to be talking to these people because they are uh, uh, providing opportunity for people in the area. So you want to you wanna have a good relationship with them as well. And I think the a good relationship doesn't mean that you only listen and then capitulate to what they say. It means you listen and say, hey, you know what? I understand what you're saying, but here's how it affects the other people that we've been talking to, and I'm not going to stand for that, right? Like you, you have yeah. to have a, a relationship that's built on mutual respect, and you're not w- with both the upper tier, if you want to call them that, and the lower tier of the community, because if you don't have the respect of those two people, you're not going to have their trust, and then you're not going to have their support, and you may as well not even be there in the fucking first place, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean. Um you're absolutely right on that. Uh, you do have to work with these people. Like I said, even if you think they're a little bit douchey, you know, try to try to get to know them and uh, and, and figure it out. So, yes, I agree with that. Well, I mean, they're going to be douchey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like you said, with special interest groups, I mean, that's that's definitely true. Uh, they can get bent. Um, you know, I would have. I'll tell you what. Honestly, like what real what courage is honestly for a lot of people is just to be able to tell someone why you don't agree with them and why you didn't do what they wanted because i would have a man the the boss that i told you about that i work with in high school he would uh kind of still act that way when i was on council and there was one night where he kept texting me like if you don't if you don't vote this way i'm gonna be so pissed off you know i'm gonna go through the roof if you don't vote this way and yada 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 and so when it was my turn to talk i said hey i'm not gonna vote here's why i'm gonna vote the way i'm gonna vote and it was opposite to what he wanted and then he he was watching it on a live stream and then he texted me and said you have changed my mind that was a good that was a good explanation right so again um it, it honestly it takes balls to just stand and talk to someone and and disagree 
because people are going to be pissed, you know, for for a variety of reasons. If they have a, if they have, um, you know, a, a special interest in the project, whether it's financial or they just really care about whatever it is, and and you're going to have to tell them, I'm not going to do it the way that you want to. I'm sorry, you know. Here's why. Here's what I learned um, in the grassroots uh, group that I was in uh, with a lot of boomers. Um, man, they, those people turn their back on me almost immediately. I mean, probably within a month or two. Uh, actually, let me get that. Let me rephrase that. They turned their back on me before I was even elected because I said I wouldn't speak out against this chicken plant. I said it's a business. I'm just going to stay neutral on it. You know, uh, they they uh, took their ball and they went home with it, and and they didn't want to talk to me anymore. Right, and and they lost out on on the influence that you know we could have had, and and it killed me because. We had put in a lot of time together trying to, to to get people elected, try to get things passed. And the first thing that, that they disagreed with me on, they were out. Um, and, and for a while, I, I did feel like a lame duck who had lost his base once I got on. You know, that, that's how I felt. Um, and so, again, the, the thing is, is, is working with people and communicating it, you're not always going to get your way 100% of the time. Um, you have to learn to, 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 to be okay with that. Sometimes you got to give up a little bit of ground, um, you know, to get something done. The, the lesson that I learned with the people who I trusted, who I shouldn't have once I got in, what I had realized was that over time I had given up a lot of ground and I realized that I, we were getting nothing in return. And then that's where the relationship ended, right? The other thing I couldn't stand as an elected official was people who would sit there and split hairs over an issue. You know, at a certain point, I mean, when we're going over such a micro detail, like, okay, we're done. You know, so, so, you know, we got to pick a side on this and we got to move on, you know? <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, just because someone is in a fixed position, it one, it doesn't mean that they're wrong and you're right, right off the yeah. bat. So you have to consider that. And then, uh, but more importantly, I think it mean it doesn't necessarily mean that their purpose is nefarious, right? So... It is easy to become uh, fatalistic and nihilistic uh, about the whole process because the process is fucked, right? But um, somebody being super invested in something can come off as uh, shady as fuck, frankly. Yes. It's like, why are, yeah. you, why are you pushing this so hard, right? Yes. But you, you don't necessarily know that, that's, uh, that it's bad until you ask some questions. I think you really need to give people you need to give people the opportunity to change your mind if you want there to be any hope for you to change their mind in the future on something else, right? Like you're not yeah. if you're if and that's where we are in American politics more broadly speaking because people are both everybody's on their side and it doesn't matter the the factual basis of your argument anymore it's just like well my side doesn't agree with this so i don't so you get stuck in this position and, and it's not just the left it's both sides that do this stupid shit you, yes. you get stuck in a position where you're defending an idea or a politician that you don't even fucking agree with anymore you know what i mean and yeah that's yeah, that's that and it's because our leadership quote unquote leadership the politicians that that we've elected that's how they behave right it's fucking dumb yeah um yeah, absolutely, man. Um, that that would uh, that that's that's what would would get me was that kind of stuff because again, you know, I have to I have to show up every month and, and work with these people twice a month. We we've got to vote on things, and so again, we have to uh, you know kind of move on on certain things and not 
hold grudges and people would. And, and as you said, you know, as far as people will have a special interest and sometimes that does come across shady and sometimes it is, you know, sometimes you've got a guy who is really adamant for a project and then you find out that it's because he's, he knows that uh, he's already worked out a deal with this company and if they come through, he's going to sell them land. You know, so this guy is really, you know, really invested and really thinks it's good for the community. And, and it still can be. It still kind of comes off as like pretty shitty, you know, if you've got a financial stake in it. Again, that's where that's the kind of greed that you'll run into, you know, at, at a local level. There's a there's a town near us. Um, and the guy there, there's a guy there who's a business owner. He's the mayor. He's the sheriff. And he's also the um, the captain of the fire department. Right. And I love this guy. He, he was a mentor of mine. Um, but some people look at that as shady. They, why are you, you know, why are you in all these groups? You know, what's going on? It, it, you know, that's definitely a, a common thing that uh, happens locally. And, and not sometimes it is because people have pure interest. Sometimes it's not. Uh, ultimately, the thing, though, too, with with this and, and I wanted to mention it earlier, too, is that um, people people wanted me to run for mayor and they wanted me to run for state legislature and to do all this other stuff and essentially become a career politician and I would just tell them straight up I would say you don't want that do you want me to be Joe Biden what are you talking about you don't want me to be in politics my whole life I told people I may come back to politics in the future it may be 10 years from now I, I definitely don't want to do it while I have uh, while my kids are young mm-hmm. um, now again I'm never giving up my influence in politics I'll be involved in every community I'm in um, but I'm as far as being an elected official, I don't consider myself a politician, consider myself an elected official. You know, you can walk away from it. You know, you can serve for four years and then say you're done. You know, that that's OK. It's probably it's actually better that way. Sometimes it does help uh, to be elected for a long time, you know, for depending. You may be in an area where a guy's been on city council for 20 years. That's not necessarily bad, you know. For for those twenty years, he could really be a master of getting things, getting good things done in the community. You know, it's again, it's about spending that time to learn about the individuals who you're working with. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's good advice, certainly, um, and uh, definitely um, <clears throat> the book "How to Win Your Local Election" is is uh, kind of a window into the the path at small the, the low politics level, the small city politics level um and now you're doing a podcast tell me about that yeah so i started a podcast with a friend of mine named austin anderson he's a stand-up comedian his background real quick is he actually grew up with adam divine they started doing Mm. uh stand-up comedy together he was roommates with him in la and was with them when workaholics popped off so he's been on the shows tight with all those guys he just opened up for them we started our own podcast out here the idea behind Toolshed Art Club is is really being creative and, and doing artistic things wherever you're at, even if you're starting in a toolshed like like we are or were at least. Uh, we got a variety of different guests on. We're sitting on some pretty cool content. We're going to be releasing an episode soon where I interviewed a member of the of Charles Manson's family. Um, we've had on Dave Landau, David Gunn from King810, and uh, we're going to have some some pretty big-name guests, as you could guess, in the future. Um, so... Uh, that's that's what I'm working on full time at this point. Uh, by the way, we would love to come down to the Drinker Bros Studios in Austin and do do an episode with you guys. I think it'd be a blast. Uh, yeah, you should. Um, we're not coming to fucking Fremont, Nebraska, Aww. so you should definitely come here. I thought maybe I could convince you guys to. Well, dude, he's not. He's in an area uh, even west of that in Western Nebraska. There's there's not a whole lot out there, but uh, yeah, man, we would definitely love to to come down to uh, to Drinking Bros. Yeah. And, I will say this. I want to promote someone else's book because I, I've, we're at a point in this 
in America where it's probably beneficial for people to pick up a copy of Clay Martin's book, uh, Prairie Fire and Concrete Jungle. I think him and Tucker Max are in a committed relationship at this point, uh, but Clay's kind of become a, a friend of mine. Um, I love that dude, and learning about societal collapses from a Green Beret is a good thing. Another book that may be good to pick up is the book called uh, uh, Tactical Wisdom, which you can you can find on Amazon. Again, I don't think it's because we're going to have a civil war, but I think some communities are going to get fucked up here in the future. Mm. And I think it's best people prepare for that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and Clay's a pretty, he's no, no holds barred on his takes. He doesn't really uh, soft cushion anything. <laughs> um, yeah. Neither does Tucker. Tucker. Tucker does a pretty, I mean, he's so balls deep into it. He doesn't put much stuff out, but when he does, it's really good. Um, yeah, that's how I, that's how I met Clay was I had reached out to Tucker and wanted to do an interview uh, with him. And he was like, no, you should just talk to Clay Martin. And I was like, okay, cool. And that's how Clay and I met. So <laughs> good. Well, look, man, I appreciate you coming today. It's been a really interesting conversation. Um, a decent, like pe people say somebody's gotta, somebody's gotta do something, right? But you're somebody you can fucking do something. And, and, 100%. and Maybe it's running for city council. Maybe it's something completely different. Maybe it's just going to the meetings. You know what I mean? Yes. Making time for that the same way that you make time for your kid's PTA meeting. Um, but whatever it is, you can fucking do something. Uh, and, you know, check out the books that we've mentioned today. Check out uh, all that media um, if, you're, if you're curious about it. And, uh, uh, again, thank you for coming today. We appreciate it. Yeah, this was a, a real blast and an honor. Thank you, Dan. Yes, sir. And uh, thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen.